It's graduation Sunday, senior Sunday. Uh, we're uh, so proud of all of those graduating and those graduating from here and all of the amazing things they're going to go on to do. We know that God has amazing plans for their lives. Uh, you can go out after service and look at their tables and uh, be praying for them and their families as they go through this uh, transition uh, into the next phase uh, of life. As I was preparing for this, I was trying to think of, you know, kind of that perfect sermon for graduates and for the seniors, uh, but that also applies to everybody else in the room. And one of the things that pastor's been talking about for quite some time now is faith. And uh, how do we get faith? Uh, you know, uh, these last couple of weeks, he's talked about trials. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the Great Commission, where Jesus told us, you know, to go into all the world and to spread the gospel, to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we talked about uh, finding that one person that we want to share the gospel with. And I want to remind you of that and encourage you that that's been two weeks ago and continue to pray. Uh, if, you, if you're thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about, go to our podcast, tcf.church. It's called The Great Commission. Listen to that message. And uh, I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Keep finding that one person. If you've already found somebody, you've already talked to somebody, continue to talk to them about Christ. And a lot of times when we talk about faith, we can think that faith is a two-sided coin, right? That one side is faith and the other side is doubt. Uh, and that they're kind of, you know, opposites of each other. And that, that can be true in some sense, but then at the same time, it's not true. Uh, you know, have you, ever, have you ever asked a question that nobody really had an answer to, maybe a tough question, and then kind of after you asked it, they're like, can you, can you just hush? Can you, you know, if you have teenagers, maybe they ask you hard questions. You know, why do we do this? Why don't we do this? Why do you do this? Why do you talk like that, right? And, and you think, could you just stop? Could you quit and leave me alone, right? Uh, and we can ask these hard questions, and maybe nobody can answer them for us. And a lot of times in our life, that leads to doubt, right? Uh, you know, is the earth round or flat, right? Nobody knows, right? We all know, we all know what it really is. But, 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 you know, maybe these like big, you know, questions, are, are we alone in the universe, right? And, and you think, people are like, God, could you, could you quit? Could you hush, you know? And we ask these hard questions, you know, that, that can raise up doubts. How many of you have ever had doubts? Go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever had a doubt. If you haven't had a doubt, come talk to me after service and tell me how you live your life so I can start living like you. All right? But we've, we've all struggled with doubt. We've all doubted things, right? We've doubted the government. We've doubted the president, right? Doesn't matter what side you line on at one time or another, you thought that guy's no good, right? We, we have doubts in our lives. Uh, and maybe you've doubted a person, maybe someone closer to you. Maybe a family member, somebody's kind of lost your trust and you don't really trust them and you have doubts in your life. I saw a video a while back of a young man who was, you know, probably in his late 20s and uh, he grew up a Christian, grew up going to church and uh, he said that as he got older, he started asking questions. Well, how do we know this? How do we know that? How do we know the Bible's true? How do we know that the Council of Nicaea didn't change everything? If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Don't mess yourself up with that. But, but all these questions, right? You start researching the Bible, looking into the Bible. You just read your Bible, right? If you want to mess up your faith, 
you want to absolutely just wreck your belief system, read your Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. If, if the whole Bible scares you, I heard a pastor just the other day say that, you know, you, you really ought to read the Bible cover to cover. You're not going to not get into heaven. He said, but you are going to get to heaven. And Peter's going to be showing you around. He's going to say, hey, come over here. Come over here. I want to introduce you to Obadiah. He says, oh, man, nice to meet you. He's going to say, hey, man, what would you think about my book? You're going to say, you wrote a book? <laughs> yeah, I wrote a book. It was in that other big book you had? Oba who? Right, right? Come over here and meet, meet, meet Haggai. Come over here and meet What would you think about my book? I wrote a shorter one. What would you think? Haggai who? Right, right? And if you want to wreck your faith, I mean, you just, want to, you just want to mess things up, read your Bible. And if that scares you, like, oh, my Lord, I can't read my whole Bible, read Genesis. Read the first book of the Bible. And when you get done, call me, call, and I'll help you, because it's going to jack you up, right? Right, right? If you like the show Game of Thrones, go read Judges. Don't read it to your kids, because it's rated mature, right? Go read Judges, and it'll mess up your faith. And this young man was saying that, he grew up in a Christian home, went to college, you know, and as he got into high school, he started having questions about all these things in life and about Christianity, and his dad couldn't answer him. And he said, oh, son, just have faith. Oh, quit thinking about that. Quit worrying about that. Don't, don't just have faith. And then he came home in college, and his dad said, hey, hey, I'm glad you're here for the weekend. Are we going to church? And he said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to church. I don't believe in that anymore. And his dad said, what, what do you mean you don't believe in that anymore? He said, well, you know, I had questions and I got into college and I figured out, you know, that, that's not all what you say it is. And, and I, don't, I don't believe that anymore. And all of that was rooted in questions. It was rooted in big, tough, hard questions that we think lead to doubt, right, and unbelief. And I want to show you an amazing story in the New Testament where Jesus is dealing with a, a father who has some unbelief. And I want to show you kind of what he tells him and what he says to him. It says in Mark 9, Mark chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 9. It'll be on the screen, verse 14. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit, a demon spirit, that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, listen to that statement right there. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If I can, said Jesus, Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, listen to this. He exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shriek uh, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Other translations will say it only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, uh, what I want you to see in this is a couple of cool things. First of all, the dad says, if you can. Hey, if you can do anything, I'd like you to heal my son. And Jesus kind of replies, I don't, I don't think he's offended, but he's like, you know, if, if I can, of, co- of course I can. Anything's possible with God, right? And, and, then, and then the dad says, hey, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And, and think about how Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, I can't help your unbelief, right? I can't do that for you. I can't help you with that. Hey, you need to go pray more. You need to go do this more. You need to go do that more. Now, when the disciples could not cast the spirit out and they said, hey, what were we doing wrong? He's like, you fools don't pray. Y'all down at Mickadee's eating that double cheeseburger instead of praying. You need to quit eating and you need to start praying. That's what fasting is. Fasting is giving up food to spend time with God. Right? And so he tells him, hey, hey, you got to be praying and you got to be fasting. But to the dad, he says, all right, come on, let's go. Let's go cast the spirit out. And I love how you know, Jesus shows up and the boy immediately goes into convulsions on the ground. You think Jesus would be kind of in a hurry. Like, let's get, he's like, yo, dad, how long, how long has he been doing this? He's like, uh, since he's a kid. Uh, you know, fire, water, dying, it's a bad deal. Okay, okay. And then he takes care of it, right? But, but Jesus is not offended by, by his doubt, by, by his unbelief, or by his ask for help, right? When the disciples couldn't do it, now he, I, I feel like he's a little frustrated with the disciples. It's like, all right, guys, you've been with me for a while now. Like, you should be able to handle this, right? And, and it, he says, how long must I believe? You know, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Listen, the man knew that his faith was imperfect and that he needed Jesus. He knew his faith was imperfect and that he needed Jesus, Right, you cannot rely, listen to me. Faith is only given by God. Faith is only given by God. The word says that it is a gift from God. As you read the word, we've learned this, as we read the word, as we hear the word preach, it sparks it on the inside of us. It ignites it on the inside of us. But God does that. Listen to me, doubt is okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to help you this morning. Doubt is okay. Jesus still did the miracle even though the father was struggling. He wasn't sure. He had some doubt. He said, hey, Jesus, I need you to help me. Here's what I want to encourage the seniors with. You're going to move into a season of life filled with doubt. You're moving out of your small hometown, out of your parents' house. You're going to go maybe to a bigger town, to a college, to a trade school, to work, right? And you're going to be faced with people, teachers, professors, coworkers that don't believe what you believe, 
right? And I know, I know in our day and age that you even face that at school, even here in, in Tulia. You can face that or Nazareth or, or wherever you're coming from. You can face those different things and people that, well, I don't, I don't really believe that, right? But, but listen, what I want to encourage you with is wrestle, wrestle with those questions. Don't, don't just like, oh, well, I've got doubt. You know, I'm, I'm done for. I want to show you another, another amazing story about doubt and faith. But I want you to know that doubt's okay. It's okay to ask big questions. Parents, if you don't have the answers, just be honest with your kids. I, I don't know. I don't know. If they're in Power Kids, say, when you get to Power Kids, go find Pastor and ask him, right? If they're in Ground Zero, tell them, come find me and ask me, right? Call us up. We'll, we'll, we'll get on Google. We'll figure it out, right? Don't be afraid of big questions. Don't, don't shun your kids or be I'm like, my God, you know, just quit it. Just love Jesus. Do right. Make good grades and, and leave me alone as much as possible, right? Be, it's, it's okay. Let them ask those questions. Let's go to Daniel. We're going to go to the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 3. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 3, 16 This is right in the middle of the story of the fiery furnace. And it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18, but, but, turn to your neighbor and say, but, 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 even if he doesn't, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, th- th- this messed me up. The first time I kind of really read this story, I mean, you know, we've heard Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a billion times, right? But when I first read that, and it was like, but even if he doesn't, but if he doesn't, right? That, to me, that sounds like doubt, that, that's like, well, he could save us, but he might not. I don't know. Whatever happens, we want you to know we don't like you, right? You're a terrible dude, right? Right? God, God might, God could save us. We're not saying he can't. He can, but he might not, right? I mean, it just sounds like, it sounds like they're just kind of backing up. They're kind of like going back on their word, you know, like, well, you know, hey, what, what if we do burn up? We'll just tell him, even if we do, he's still a turd, right? We don't like him, right? Okay, 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 good. Right? But, but he says, hey, but even if he doesn't, and it sounds like they don't have faith, but if you know the story, right? They, it makes Nebuchadnezzar so mad, he turns up the oven, he throws them in, and it burns up the guards as they throw them in. They catch on fire and run off screaming, and then Nebuchadnezzar says, look in there and see if they're dead. And they were like, we threw in uh, four guys, right? And they're like, no, it was three, three brothers. No, there's four in there. Who, who got in there? Who snuck in there, right? Right? And then they, and then they, they it says, uh, 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 it's not burning them. They're not, they're not burning them. And they, they walk out of the furnace. Right? And so even, even they're like, hey, God, we know you got this. But if you don't, it's cool, whatever. Right? But God still showed up. God still showed up. And, and I don't want anybody in here, you know, one of the things that's so hard is we have tragedy in our lives. We have things we ask God for, and he doesn't do it. It doesn't come through. It doesn't go the way we want. All right? Pastor talked about it uh, this last Thursday, and I believe last week, even in trials. We, we, we've talked about this from ground zero all the time. God is good, the devil's bad, and the world is broken. Right? We serve a good God, but we live in a broken, fallen world uh, infected with sin. 
That's why there's world hunger and earthquakes and tsunamis and mass shootings and bombings and war and death and disease. Because the Bible says in Romans that the earth longs for the day for sin to be removed. That it groans as a woman in childbirth waiting to get sin off of it. Right? And so that's why bad, terrible things happen. And, and, and God doesn't always show up. But listen, I want you just to, to lean into God. Listen, faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the means to overcome it. It is the means to overcome it. And, and so many times, you know, we, we read Romans 10, 17, which I'm going to show you in just a minute about, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we think, well, that didn't happen because I didn't read my Bible enough. Well, that, that, that happened, you know, that, that terrible thing happened to us because I just don't have enough faith. Right? And then, and then what do we do? We put it back on us. Well, I should be doing more. Right, I should be, I should, I, if I would just do more of this, more of that, maybe if I would serve more, help more, give more. Right, We do all of those things because I love the Lord and I want to be with him and spend time with him and get to know him. And as I spend more time with him, my faith does grow. Right, But, but, but listen, you live in a broken world, a broken, fallen world, and faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the means to overcome it. And don't be, don't be messed up if you think, well, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. And if you do that, run to the Lord. Run to Jesus. Tell him, I'm, I need help. I need help with my unbelief. I need help with my doubt. Right? Romans 8.37 says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If you go to Romans 8, it talks about persecution and just them, them being persecuted for being Christians and being martyred and hunted and, and, and killed. And, and Paul is telling them, hey, you're more than a conqueror. Listen, through Jesus Christ, you can conquer your doubt. You can conquer your unbelief. You lean in just like the Father. Help me in my unbelief, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew God could. That was not a question. They knew he could. They were like, hey, if he doesn't, if we burn up, don't think you won because our God still won. Right, that was their statement. There was no, there was no doubt in their mind that God could, that God had them, uh, you, you know, that, that, that they could trust God. And I want you to do the same thing. Trust in God. Jesus, through Jesus, we can conquer our doubts. We can conquer the world. Romans 10, 17, which I just said, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. As you read your Bible, as you hear the word, now Romans 10 is a famous chapter on salvation. Romans 10 verses 9 through 10 say, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And, and Paul is taking Romans chapter 10, he's talking about salvation. And he's talking about people that haven't received Christ. And he says, hey, they haven't been saved because they have not heard. They have not heard the gospel. And then he goes into verse 17 and says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And that that is how you get saved. When you hear the gospel, Jesus crucified and raised from the dead on the third day to save you and I from the depths of hell and from sin and death, right? That that sparks faith inside of your body, inside of your spirit. It comes alive when you hear that 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 brings that up in you. Listen, 
as you get into the word, as you come to church, you get faith because we're reading the word of God. Faith is like building a relationship. It's like a relationship, right? It's hard to trust a stranger. It's hard just to run into somebody and, you know, how many of y'all seen the cartoon Aladdin? You know, back in the 1990s, Aladdin came out. If you hadn't, it's a classic. You should probably watch it, you know. I'm going to give a few spoilers here in a minute. But uh, if, you've, if you've seen Aladdin, right, we know that Princess Jasmine escapes from the palace. She goes into town. She meets Aladdin. They're running from the guards, right? He takes her up to his little pad up on the rooftop with a pretty view, and he's working it as hard as he can, and the soldiers show up, and uh, he jumps out the window onto a magic carpet and says, you know, do you trust me? And she should have said, no, fool. I just met you. I don't trust you. We ain't jumping out a window with you. Are you insane? Right? But, but like a teenage girl, she jumps out the window, right? <laughs> Right, and, But, but that, that is how faith works. Faith is trust. It's trust in Jesus, trust in God. And listen, as you spend time with him, as you spend time in his word, you get to know him. You know, I believe that the people of Jesus' time had so much faith because of the miracles and the stories that were floating around. Right, they had heard all the crazy things Jesus did. And so when they heard these things, they were like, the woman with the issue of blood, she believed, man, this is it. This is all I can do. And nobody else has anything for me. This is it. Blind Bartimaeus, when he yelled out, I've got no other options. Ain't nobody fixing this. I've heard these crazy stories of this guy. Ain't nobody stopping me. Right? They'd heard, man, feeding 5,000, water to wine, walking on water. You know, all these crazy, you know, Lazarus, Lazarus up walking around, Right? All these crazy stories, and so their, their faith. And see, as you spend time in God's word, as you spend time with God, as you go through things with God, you build more trust. You build more faith. Faith is not the absence of doubt, but it's the means to overcome it. I want to show you 2 Timothy 4, and then we're gonna, we'll, we'll close out here, and we'll, we're going to pray over the seniors. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. It says, In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. Now, pastor did a while back, he taught on the judgment seat of Christ and how that, that word was uh, bima, am I saying that right, bima? Which means reward. This is not bima. This is like judge, condemn, that kind of judge. So he's gonna judge the living and the dead and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. All I want you to know by that, by judge, is, is Paul's being really serious. He's like, man, Jesus Christ, who's going to judge the world, the living and the dead, I give you this charge. Verse 2, he says, preach the word. Preach the word in verse 2. And he says, uh, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desire, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That, that sounds so much like our day and age, uh, if anything. Verse 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, but you keep your head in all situations. I love this. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist, which is spreading the gospel. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So what is he saying to do? Listen, he's saying preach the word. Share the gospel. Be prepared in season and out of season. I heard somebody the other day that you know, seasons are four months. 
our seasons in, in, in the world, right, are four months, right? If you've been stuck in a season for eight years, it's not a season anymore, right? Seasons come and go in every four months. Listen, as hardship comes, as things come, as tragedy happens, we have to be prepared in that season. Maybe it's a really good season of life. Things are going really well. I've got to be prepared to preach the word. Maybe things are hard, things are bad, things are not good. I've got to be prepared to preach the word, right? That, that I preach the word and I'm prepared in season and out. I correct, I rebuke, and encourage with patience and careful instructions, right? People are going to turn away from doctrine. They're going to turn away from what's right. They're going to turn away from truth. They're going to want to hear what they want to hear, but then I'm supposed to keep my head. I'm supposed to endure hardship, and I'm supposed to do the work of the evangelist. First Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to preaching and to teaching. What, what is this all saying? We're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. That that's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, in the synagogues, they would read Scripture publicly. It's a lot like we're doing right now. We're reading Scripture publicly, right? And that we're supposed to devote ourselves to these things. Listen, nothing will help your doubt more than preaching the gospel to somebody. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. What? Hearing the gospel. As you speak the gospel out of your mouth, you hear it. And it gives you faith. See, and so as I study it, as I go to my word, as I try to answer those big questions that probably people ask, right, it stirs that up in me. Let me leave you with one last thing. Psalms 139. Search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Think about the last time you asked God to work in you and to change you. Listen, I want, to, I want to leave you with this. I think the greatest thing that we can do as Christians, the two greatest things we can do is stay humble and hungry. Seniors, I want you to stay humble and hungry, right? I keep myself in a state of humility where I don't fall into pride, where I don't think I'm better than somebody else, or I got it, I've got it figured out better than you do. Right? I'm humble where, man, I, I have compassion and I have care for others because I, I, I'm walking in humility, and then I'm always hungry for more of God. I'm never satisfied with my relationship with God. I always want more, more word, more worship, right? And this comes over time. Right now, you might be thinking, man, I can't read my Bible for two seconds. I barely make it through the verse of the day. Just stay in it. Stay humble and stay hungry.